Time is 2.34 and you're listening to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. And now, when you have children, you know, you can't help but mark down all the kind of milestones as they grow. Their first smile, their first tooth, and of course, their first words. However, many children may not actually utter those first few words at the time that parents expect. And this can cause a lot of distress and worry. And these children are actually late talkers. And my guest today may be able to shed some light on this subject. Let me welcome Carrie Spathrain from the Spot Children's Therapy Centre and doctoral clinical psychologist Amanda Oswald Wisher, who are on Zoom at the moment. Good afternoon to you, ladies. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, this whole situation about sort of late talkers, I'm, I particularly wanted to speak about this because a couple of people I've come across recently um, were really, really worried about their children. So first of all, can we just ask, like, is this a very common thing, Carrie? Um, you know, you're a, you're a speech therapist, aren't you? I am. Um, so it is common. Um the group of late talkers actually refers to children between 18 and 30 months of age. Um, and studies show it affects between 10 and 15% of toddlers um, in that age group globally. So it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, now, it is important to differentiate. So this group of children um, are just not talking, but everything else is developing as we would expect. And so that would include play skills and their thinking or cognition, um, which, of course, Dr. Amanda can speak more on. Um, motor skills, social skills, their understanding seems okay. They're just not talking. So we just wanted to be able to differentiate between that group of specifically late talkers and maybe if there are some other things happening as well. So is there, I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously a common thing, but obviously for parents, this is a sudden panic moment where, you know, they're expecting the, the child to say mommy, daddy or whatever, and they don't. So is it something to worry about? I mean, you know, you were mentioning toddlers. What kind of age range are we talking about? I mean, how far can it go that they don't speak? It depends. Um, it really depends on the child and other things that we might be seeing. Mm -hmm. Amanda, is there any kind of particular thing, you know, from, from children that you have seen? Is there something in the background? What triggers this? What is the cause? Is there any reason for it? Well, that's why we work uh, multi-systemically. So when we have somebody who's a late talker, oftentimes uh, our team will work in tandem. So Carrie and I will both see the client. Mm -hmm. So Carrie is looking for receptive expressive language, oral motor skills. There's a difference between speech and language. Um, and I'm looking more for um, the child's social engagement. Is the child able to compensate for communication through gestures, through eye contact? Are they understanding that other humans are there to help and to engage with? So I'm looking at, you know, a four-year-old if they're not requesting help or showing you their Lego invention um, or pointing at things in the distance and having some sort of word approximation then we're more worried probably that there might be an underlying factor such as um, uh, more cognitive issues or what we look for a lot is autism and social communication disorder, which also is associated with language delays oftentimes. 
is there a kind of way of diagnosing these things? Because obviously if a parent suddenly finds that their child's not able to do that, then, you know, we all try and find solutions. We always, we want somebody to tell us that actually, you know, there's nothing wrong with their brain, there's nothing wrong with their ears. Um, how do you diagnose something like this? Well, again, we work as a team. So oftentimes I will do a psychoeducational assessment, which is a fancy word um, mm -hmm. for um, just figuring out where their cognitive skills lie. Mm -hmm. If they can't use words or if they're having trouble learning through listening, then can they do things that are more um, kinesthetic? Can they play with blocks? Then can they complete puzzles? Um, they, can they see patterns? So we're measuring cognition and um, academic skills through other play-based ways. Right. And then if we say, okay, well, everything looks in line here and their social communication, they're, they're gesturing, they're empathetic, they're doing all of those things. Then I say, Carrie, all yours. Mm. So, so, I mean, how, how, have you got sort of examples of cases where, you know, this came to you and then between the two of you, as you say, you work as a team and then you're able to see each side of things, you know, have you got any examples of exactly what happened with some families and, and how, you know, was there a, a good thing at the end of the tunnel where they, they were able to speak after a certain amount of time? Yeah, I'd say that we see so many different cases. Um, you know, another good first stop would be your GP. I, If your child's not talking, I would say first rule out hearing loss. Mm -hmm. Even a slight hearing impairment will impact upon a child speaking. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be first as well. Um, but then also we see children who then do go on to have a diagnosis of autism, um, or something that we call childhood apraxia of speech, which is more of a motor planning, being able to coordinate those muscles for talking. Um, and some children that have experienced trauma in their early lives. Um, mm -hmm. So everyone's different. But if we're only talking about someone who is specifically a late talker, so that means everything else is developing okay. Yeah. We would really look at um, the family history. So children that are late talkers tend to have somebody else in the family that was a late talker. So we hear that a lot. Oh, dad didn't talk until he was four or five. Yes, yes. Um, we would still caution against the wait and see approach mm -hmm. because everybody develops differently um, and early intervention of course is key for making progress in language. It's an interesting thing I mean I the reason I was looking at the subject is because I, I've come across a couple of uh, families where there are late talkers and one of them is you know uh, almost eight years old and he's not speaking you know he's not using words or anything like that and also the other one is a young girl who's about four but one of the things I noticed that one of the parents said that they don't like to they weren't keen on socializing with other children that when other kids are around they kind of just push them away and they don't want to they just want to be with their parents so is that something is is that a factor that you need to look at of course, 100%. Um, when I think of kids at that age who are still um, not speaking, then I really want to look at different things. For example, um, some kids, we see a lot of kids with selective mutism. So really their language is developing pretty typically. 
Um, and they're, oftentimes parents will say they're fine at home, trust me, but mm. then at school they, they don't speak or they might use a doll to speak through or they're only whispered to their teacher. So then we'd want to be looking at anxiety and um, anything else going on, trauma. If in COVID they're not exposed to as many people or a school setting, maybe they're overwhelmed. Um, so depending on the situation and the child, we explore it very differently. Um, and then oftentimes, and I don't know if you find this, Carrie, but kids with um, with advanced intellect who might score high on who an IQ test. incredibly bright and they just have so much going on that the speech just doesn't come out, maybe. Yeah, it's like, how do I organize my thoughts? Yeah. And they also have this fear of failure oftentimes. So you often see these kids who don't talk and then all of a sudden it's just... They, they mastered it and they're not going to do it until they master it. Oh, um, that's, that's a very niche kind of case. Um, you also mentioned something interesting about um, pushing people away. Mm. Um, we, we would also involve the occupational therapist here to take a look at that child's sensory profile. Is it overwhelming? Is it painful when people touch them or when they're speaking loudly to them? Um, we need to really do a little bit more digging, especially when we get into the school age years. Mm. Um, late talkers, just that small group that we talked about, 75% um, of those children by school age, so by the time they enter primary school, will have um, gained language skills comparable to their same aged peers. Um, only about a quarter of them go on to show language weaknesses. Mm. So if um, somebody was identified as a late talker and then we're still seeing um, this lag, we, we would definitely want to make some onward referrals. Okay. How much, um, so how much support is there available? So, for instance, a, a parent kind of sees that, you know, the child's not speaking or whatever. So is it something here, say, in Hong Kong, for instance, is that something that you would have to seek privately? You can get support for it. What's the situation? Where 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 are parents? What do they do? We see a lot of it here in Hong Kong. Um, it's I would say complicated by the fact that we are largely a bilingual or multilingual community, mm -hmm. um, and there's a very common misconception even in the medical field that bilingual children or multilingual children start speaking later. Mm -hmm. This is not true. Okay. Really what it is, is that children are pull, uh, pulling from more than one language. So maybe, um, for instance, at 18 months, we expect a child to have at least 20 words. But if I speak English and Cantonese, maybe I only have 10 English words and I have 10 words in Cantonese. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at both languages. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, that's that's one thing. But also when, if you're um, part of the local system for having your young child um, vaccinated and having their wellness checks through the Maternal Child Health Center, um, that's a really good time to raise your concerns there. Because sometimes, especially at that young age, children don't like performance performing. Yeah. So maybe they won't show the nurse um, the tasks that are expected of their chronological age. So it's important to raise your concerns there. And then you can have services 
through the early intervention government system. You don't need to go private. Okay. Okay. The other the other thing that I was going to ask really is this whole effect of the pandemic because if you think like we've had two years, right? And in that time, children, you know, children born into COVID basically. Uh, you know, they, they, when they go out, they're wearing masks a lot of the time. They are, their parents are. They're not actually seeing facial expressions. They're not actually hearing the things right. And because a lot of it is to do with looking at people's lips, looking at their expressions. So is that something that you're finding that, you know, some kids perhaps are a little bit slower now because of the whole effects of the COVID? Um, yes. So I would say in terms of masks, no. Uh, Mm -hmm. Research is showing us um, that most interaction needs to happen at home Mm -hmm. where the family is unmasked. That's where young children learn the best from. Um, Also, if we look at our visually impaired population, they still develop language. Um, But of course, COVID is having an impact on language. With the social skills where we're seeing, you know, the peer interactions, how do they um, intervene when they're having an altercation? How do they ask for more? Oftentimes as family members, we compensate. We know what our kid wants for breakfast in the morning. They don't need to ask. We know how to play with them. Um, We anticipate their needs and we kind of um, uh, do things without that verbal interaction. So then... um, with kids and peers, we're, we are seeing some difficulties there because of COVID and that, that social attunement. So that means us as, t- as parents need to kind of get down on the floor, pretend to be three years old. Mm. and More interaction about, from parents. That's what's needed. And right? it's not guided interaction. We often see, especially here, I think, um, with highly educated you know, go get her parents where, um, you know, what color is this block? You know, can you say cat? Uh, as opposed to when a kid is just riding a train and you just narrate like, whoa, fast train. And I narrate what I'm doing and you let the child lead. So you're essentially teaching the child that you have good ideas. I can see your ideas. I can build on your ideas. Oh, my train crashed. Oh, and then can they follow Mm. what I just gave. That's a conversation mm-hmm. uh, through play. And it's so important that we let children guide that. Mm. There's a lot there. Now, really, just to kind of summarize, um, give me just a couple of things that, you know, people, you know, with children now and as they're growing up, and if they do think there's a problem, what are the basic points that they should look out for um, if they do have a late talker? You know, what are the signs? Obviously, they won't be speaking to you, but, you know, you might try with other things to just see that maybe they're, they're just okay. It's just It's just late. That's all. Um, so I would say if the child isn't gesturing, um, so not pointing, um, not putting their arms up to show that they want to be lifted, um, that would be something that we'd be concerned about. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're not making many sounds, so if you have a child that doesn't really babble or use many sounds, that would be something else. Um, and also that family history that we talked about earlier, that's very important for Mm -hmm. us. Um, and of course, if you're seeing your child's frustrated that they can't communicate with you, um, that's the most important thing to us. Mm. And it must be hard, Amanda, obviously for parents to deal with that because obviously you're worried, you get anxiety. Um, so, you know, a a few calming words for parents that, you know, what they should do just to, just to keep control of it somehow. 
think as a mother myself, I think the second you're pregnant, you know, it's all anxiety, like yeah. welcome to the world. Um, yeah. You're always going to find something to, to worry about. And um, kids in general are quirky. You know, we all do things differently and in a different timeline. And just because somebody's language is delayed doesn't mean that their cognition, their you know, their their social life has to be hampered. You know, a, a label should help inform intervention and not hurt. It shouldn't be scary. It should be pretty much putting a word to what you already know. And parents really do know their kids best. So if your gut is saying, ah, I'm, I'm just a little bit nervous about this, come talk to your GP, talk to somebody, um, and we can either make sure that everything's on track. We sometimes give you guys homework and just check this out, send me back a video. And yep, seems like things are okay. Or we say, oh, let's try some other things and just assess. Um, I think it's it's much scarier to not address it yeah. and handle it on your own. And to, to have support, there must be support groups as well for parents who are in that situation. So if they can share experiences and things, that must make a big difference. Okay, well, listen, thank you so much. Some really good advice there. And um, thank you ever so much. And last bit, uh, you know, any last tips before we go? I think we've lost the audio. Are, we, are you still there? Yeah, yes. I um, I think what Dr. Amanda said is very important um, that we um, don't lead our children, but let them lead us in play. Put down the flashcards, um, be face to face with your child and in the moment, keep it simple, um, use lots of repetition. Um, I have two daughters myself. When they were small, we read the same book every night, <laughs> um, which is hard for us as parents because it's boring if we're frank but it's so important for children children need repetition they crave it and they learn from it thank you carrie amanda thank you ever so much and i hope it's been useful and certainly you know if people want more information they can always get in touch with you to find out more thank you ever so much